gathered home. <laughs> Glory to God. What a promise that is to us as believers today. Amen. As we look to Israel, our counterpart, and we also see ourselves in that great divine promise. Amen. Let's stand together as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning. We worship the Lord together. Amen. Every need that he will supply, he's gathering a people back home to the word again. Amen. Father, as we bow before you today, we believe that you are gathering an elect. She's coming from all directions, the four winds of the earth gathered back to the word again. Even as you're gathering Israel from the four directions, the four winds of the earth, you are gathering her back to her homeland. Lord, we're looking to you today, oh God, to discover every part of our possession. Lord, to accept for our, ourselves what you have given and you have granted as believers in this end time. We believe that you'll never let go of us. We believe you'll be with us even in us to the end of the world. We believe your word, Lord, has been released in this day. And the Holy Spirit has been released because by the opening of the seals that open up the whole book and the whole promise to us, it releases the Holy Spirit to, to bring us into places that other ages couldn't come. But Lord, we have been called and we are predestined. And Lord, as we're looking for that gathering home, that home gathering day, Lord, may you prepare our hearts for that coming. I pray, Lord, you'll bless our people that they've assembled in preparation for the meetings, Lord, that you'll just get hearts ready as we begin on Wednesday night and hear the word of the Lord service after service. I pray you'll come in a mighty way. Lord, speak today in this service. You know the needs of your children. Lord, you know those that are sick that would be here in the service the families that are absent because of sickness. Lord, we pray that you'll be merciful. Brother George Winters and his wife, Lord, they'd be here, but because of sickness, they can't come. Lord, I pray for healing for them. Lord, for our brother Kenneth that's in the hospital. You're the Lord God that heals all diseases, and there's nothing too hard for the Lord. You brought him through so many times, and we know that you're capable today to do the same. We just commit ourselves and commit him into your hands, Lord. Now we're asking that you'd minister today. Take the things that we have and anoint them. Lord, without the anointing, the word is just a letter. And Lord, believing it is not enough. We must meet the person of Christ. And Lord, even today, we need the person of Christ in this meeting. Lord, as our hearts are moved and touched, we hear in the great songs that were sung today about the name of Jesus and that you'd break every chain. Lord, it resounds over and over and over and over again. And I pray, Lord, as we speak today, May the word go forth in power. 
Amen. May the power be released from that word to deal with every heart, to deal with every life. And yes, to break every chain. Not just chains of sin, but Lord, chains of unbelief. Lord, that we can take a hold of your promise as your children. As we read the word, I pray that you'll bless it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 35, and we'll read from the third verse this morning down through verse 7. And um, certainly we could, we could um, probably speak on some of these things over and over and over again, but we have some new material we want to get to today. We're going to be speaking again on the new birth of Malachi 4, so as we minister on that today, there's going to be several parts to this, and of course our theme is just like we showed today of us, you know, being gathered back to, the, to our homeland, gathered, gathered back to the Word again, amen? How many believes this Bible's our homeland? Amen. Brother Branham also would speak of it. He says, the Holy Ghost is our homeland. And so it is the land of Canaan. And so this is the land of the Holy Ghost. And so we want today to look into the scripture so that we can identify our day and the day that we're living in. Very important to recognize your day and his message. Isaiah 35 verse 3, strengthen ye the weak hands. That's that's the whole object of preaching, amen, is to strengthen the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees and say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and, the st- and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. And the habitation of dragons, where each lay, shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Amen. God restoring his people back to the land. God bless you as you are seated. I want to share a little quotation as we would um, read here and have read the scripture. Now I'll just share this little quotation with you from the message, Birth Pains, and this is where we're getting our theme from. But he says, now she's in that stage beyond a shadow of a doubt. We are in the Laodicean church age. Now her messenger is promised In Malachi, the fourth chapter, he promised to do it. And the message is to bring back the word, to bring the people, bring the people back to the word. Birth is to be, she is to be delivered of a new birth from according to Malachi 4. And as you, as we have been through it and we spoke about it last Sunday, about Brother Branham's vision or dream of where he was coming down to the, to the Jordan. And he said, I saw myself on the map of Palestine and I was looking down and he says that he was two-thirds of the way of the journey. 
And uh, now it was a time to cross over into the Jordan, or over through Jordan into the promised land. And he said in the message paradox, he explained what all of this meant. He says, you see what coming down to Jordan meant. We're down here now. Let's cross over now. Let's quit playing. Let's cross the other side because it all belongs to us. It is all ours. Ambitions have never failed. They can't fail because they come from God. I believe it with all that's within me. We're not the hireling that will run back into the wilderness. We'll cross Jordan to separation. God break to us the seals that are on the back of the book. Let us enter into this great place now for Joshua divided to the people their inheritance that God left for them. You know, if we would look in all the types of the scripture, they are things that point to our day and to our hour. Now, all of the Bible has been actually pointing toward this day where that God would finish up his great plan of redemption. So what an hour that we are living in to know that we are here, that we have arrived at this day and time in the seventh church age, in the last age where that God is finalizing the pouring out of his spirit for the purpose of redemption. And we can look back at the types and we can see as Joshua brought Israel into a new land. Even so, we too have been brought into a new land. And yet, it is an old land. It is new because it's the land that none of the denominations before us have ever dwelt in. And yet, it is an ancient land because it's the land that Paul and the apostolic fathers once dwelt in and possessed. And so this is, this is an, a great age where there is a return back to the promised land. Even as we saw the Jews coming back to their home and, and their, their lands and the waters flowing and breaking out of the desert of, of neglected places, you know, and, and again, green pastures and things that um, where it had been laid to waste now becomes a fruitful land. Amen. We're living in that time where the promises of the Word of God are, are being watered yeah. by the Holy Spirit, bringing, being brought to life in this hour, in this time. So it's a great hour to be living in. This is the bright age. Amen. Amen. It's the message of Malachi 4 that has brought us back to this land. Now, this is not an eighth day, and it's not an, or is it an eighth age, but this is the seventh church age. And it is here that God has called a bride for a rapture. As Brother Branham would tell us in the rapture message, and I may quote it or read it again later, I don't know, but nevertheless, the rapture takes place in this seventh church age. So the bright age is not something beyond the seventh angel and his message, nor is it some age beyond the seventh age. The bright age is simply a time within this seventh age where the bride and Christ are united together as one. 
Just as a woman becomes known as a bride, you know, she, she, there, there's a time that she becomes known as a bride. And, and that is, in order to be married, as she's approaching marriage, she is known as the bride. And even so, this is the age of marriage. It is, it is the age where the lamb from heaven is being united with the lamb on the earth. Amen. That there is a bride of people that match him that is of his species and is of his kind. And so, so this is the age of marriage. It is the bride age. It is the bride time. So what the bride age is, it is a time where the church becomes the bride to be married to the groom. It is a time of all ages in the seventh age where that a prophet brings his message and brings us back to the word again. And the, and the word becomes our head, not a denomination, but the word, the Bible, the truth of God's word becomes the head of the body. And now, so that's what the bride age is. Now, what the bride age is, and it's not another church age, and it's not an eighth day, nor is it an eighth age. But it is a time within the last church age where that under her messenger, the bride becomes one with him, so therefore becomes the final voice to the final age. Amen. The seven church ages is the only time that God deals with the Gentile. He will not deal with the Gentiles outside of the seven church ages. As Brother Branham would tell us in the Ephesian church ages, the whole of the church ages is God dealing with the Gentiles and calling out a bride to himself. That makes the church ages and the fullness of the Gentiles the one and the same thing. So you see, the, the church ages are the fullness of the Gentiles. And we are here in the last age with the last message. And this is not a message of reformation. Amen. But this is a message of restoration, of bringing a people back to where they were in the first place. Amen. Yeah, it is a new beginning, but it's not a new message. It's the same message that we heard from the beginning. It is a new land because it's one that we haven't been accustomed to for these past ages. But, but uh, we go right back to the first age where the apostle Paul lived in this land, where he preached predestination, eternal security, baptism in Jesus' name, the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, the power of God and the salvation. All of that was, is in the, this land, and we in this day have rediscovered what Paul preached. Amen. So it's a very ancient land, but yet to us it's a new land. Amen. Now, when the ages are complete, the time where God deals with the Gentiles for the purpose of calling a bride to himself, it, it, then, it, then it's over. You see, the time of dealing with the Gentiles is over. The time of calling a bride is over. The, the um, Laodicean age concludes with the rapture of the church. What a, what a conclusion. What a climax. This is the age of the climax. This is the age when it's all over. Hallelujah. 
my, how we ought to be able to rejoice when we can see the end in sight. The end of suffering nature. The end of struggling nature. The end of sin. Amen. The end of, even the end of time for you. Won't be the end of time for the earth, but it will be for you. Amen. The end of time for you. The end, the end of suffering. The end of old age. Amen. The, the product of redemption. What an hour that we're living in. This is a wonderful time. Amen. Now, so you see, the, the only message for the last age, for the purpose of a bride calling, is the message of the seventh angel. Amen. The bride age is nothing different from the seventh age and its message and its messenger. So in Rising of the Sun, Brother Branham would tell us that the bride age has a message. He says, for the bride age, for resurrection out of dark denominationalism. So in the bride age is a resurrection. Amen. From the tombs of religion. Amen. Of people coming back to life again. The dry bones living. Amen. Of people being gathered back to the word again. Just as, as Israel was a dead and forgotten people, a pool of dry bones. Amen. God has also brought a restoration for the spiritual counterpart, the true Israel. Are you the true Israel? Are you the royal seed of Abraham this morning? Well, that was you that we're singing about. You have been gathered back to this land. You have been brought out of all of the denominations as Israel has been gathered from the nations. You have been gathered back to your land. I want to tell you, this is your land. This is our land. Amen. It's the land of the Holy Ghost. It's the land of the power of God. Now, so Brother Brandon, for the, for the bride age, and this is the first time he mentions this word or term bride age, for the bride age, for resurrection out of dark denominationalism, will be a message. Notice the bride age has a message. And he said and that the full maturity of the word has returned back again in its full power. Amen. That's our message today. The word has returned in full power. Hallelujah. There's a people. The bride tree lives again. Amen. And he said, and the word is being waved over the people by the same signs and wonders that he did back then. Now, what else can that be? What else can that be but the seventh angel's message that comes in the Laodicean age? The bright age sign waved over the people is the message of Malachi 4. It's not a new message. It's not a message that comes after the seventh angel sound. It's the message of Christ through the seventh angel. Now, Brother Branham would talk about this in the message paradox, and he would explain it. He said it was like the first creation, like a man, no, another, no other creature ever come up from its evolution, coming up to a higher species than, than a man because man is in the image of God, of the God who created him. There will be nothing, there will no, never be nothing higher 
The word wouldn't let it go any further because he is the word. So in the creation, it, it came like an evolution from small things until it got to man. And once it got to man, he was in the image of God. Somebody with me? And you can't go no higher than the image of God. And he says, and neither, watch these words now, neither can the word climb above any Laodicean church age. And we see them, everyone over there, Jesus on the outside of the church, trying to get back in because they reject the word again in the last age. Now, and Brother Branham spoke about this again. And I have heard and now I see. And this, as you know, was preached in Shreveport. I was there as a young boy hearing these words. Maybe I don't remember them all, but I sure remember the tapes now. But he said, um, and here he refers to the Azusa Street Revival, and he says, this is not a Pentecostal age. And this is true. It is not the Azusa age. No, sir. It is the bride age. It's not another age that becomes another denomination. Amen. It's not another station along the journey. We have arrived. We are here. Amen. Now, so he goes on to say, this is the latter day age. This is the bride age. This is the evening light. Oh, brother, what an evening light this is. The evening light is the Sunday. Isn't it marvelous? This Sunday, amen, this S-O-N-D-A-Y, this resurrection, this breaking of the sunlight, this comes in the evening time. The same light that was there 2,000 years ago at the close of the Gentile dispensation. In the evening time, it's light again. Hallelujah. So you see, the evening light we begin to we begin to shine again, break through the gloom of denominationalisms and and falsisms of man, and the evening light would begin with the simple truths of the promise outpouring of the Spirit, and it would it would continue to to shine as one God and baptism in His in, in His name, and until it finally becomes full bride light. Amen. Where a bride is called, where she's called out of denominations to go back to the word again. That's why you've gathered here. That's why we're here this morning. Amen. Now, so this, as he said, this is a bride age. This is the evening light. This is when Malachi 4 must be fulfilled to follow God's pattern. This is Luke 17, 30 to be fulfilled. So you see, the Son of Man is revealed. That's the full word. Somebody help me now? Amen. Malachi 4, that's the turning of the hearts. Amen. You say, well, Brother Tim, that happens in the Laodicean age. That's right. Because that's when the bride age is. Amen. It's Laodicea starts out with a Pentecostal Azusa movement and she's the voice of God and God uses her. Amen. Until she becomes her own voice and no longer will speak for him and speak with him. Amen. So God then opens up the seals. Amen. Reveals himself. And when they do, they reject Christ the word. 
Amen. And when it does, it calls out a bride. Because God's going to have a people. What an hour. What a day. Now there's a seed not air with the shell. Brother Branham would tell us at the opening of the seven seals, Revelation 10, the full word is to be born in the manifestation again. And vindicated by the Spirit of God in the full strength as it was when he was here on earth. Manifested in the same way. Doing the same things that it did when it was on the earth. Amen. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. St. Luke 17, 30. Jesus said in the last days, as it was in the days of Sodom, when the Son of Man will be revealing himself. Again, it'll be the same thing. Again, he would say, and Christ revealed in his own word. Are you with me? Amen. So we see the evening lights are here. And what does it do to have that light if you don't? What, what does it do to have light if you don't have any eyes to see how to get around with? So what is even the light? The light comes on to reveal something. Is that right? If there's something here and you feel and you can't understand what it is in the darkness, then turn a light on. It is to reveal. What is Malachi 4 to do? See, same thing. What was the opening of the seals to do? Where all denominations staggering around and this is to reveal and bring it out. If you haven't got any eyes, then what's he used to reveal? There has to be eyes. And I want you to watch these things. See, first, see the, he said to reveal Malachi 4. Now, remember, you're part of Malachi 4. Because there's an Elijah in Malachi 4, but there's hearts that are turned in Malachi 4. Amen? So you're part of the revealing of Malachi 4. And then he said, reveal St. Luke 17, 30. That's when God took on human flesh, walked down with Abraham, and then with Christ, in Christ. Or some, is somebody with me? Amen? And now he's come in your flesh, our flesh. Amen. Christ's being revealed in you. That's where the revealing's going on. Now then, then he says, also St. John 14, 12, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these. And he said also John 15, 24, and John 16, 13. Now let's just, let's just take a, some of these. John 16, 13. Let's read this together. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, He shall guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and shall show you things to come. So Brother Branham said, here in this evening light is to bring you into all truth by the spirit of truth. Now watch what else he said. He said also it would vindicate John 15 verse 24. And I want you to watch. This is a marvelous scripture. He said, now, if I had not done among them the works that no other man did, they had not sinned. In other words, there wouldn't be an unbelief. There wouldn't be, they wouldn't be guilty of rejection. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. So notice these words. If I had not done among them the works which no other man did. Now listen, church. 
This is why God did works in our generation that nobody else did. He was vindicating a servant. Amen. Amen. It doesn't take much for you, much effort at all, for you to read just of the history movement or the history of the, of the divine healing movement just a few years ago. And you'll see of all of them, there's one name keeps coming up. William Branham, William Branham, William Branham. Nobody ever equal to him. Even today, he's the legend that they're all talking about. And everybody wanting that power, hoping to one day be that. Prophesying that the church will one day have that power. Because there was works done which no other man did. Amen. Now we had Jack Cole, we had Oral Roberts, we had T.L. Osborne, we had many, many others, but this man did works that none of their others did. He was gifted way beyond, way beyond all the others. Is somebody with me this morning? Amen. And this, this was not done in a corner. This was not something hidden. The newspapers told about it. The miracles were shown worldwide. Amen. The, the, gift of, the, the, the gift of discernment there of, of knowing very accurately everything. Do you know? Do you know? Uh, uh, we, we just heard the, the death of Sister Minnie Peterson. But in Dr. Moses in 1954, she was in a prayer line and she stood there before Brother Branham and she said, Brother Branham said here, he says, you have something on your heart. And he said, it's a sister. He said, it's a half-sister. Listen, God knows. He said, it's a half-sister. And he said, she, the doctors, I heard them say, she has rheumatic fever. And you also got a daughter who has fever that you want prayed for. And he said, there's also, uh, you know, he said, and there's also something wrong with your teeth you wanted me to pray for. Anyway, there was about five different things that he told her, you know, one right after the other. Amen. And no, no other ministry has ever had that ministry that Jesus Christ had 2,000 years ago because what we were seeing was the ministry of Christ repeating itself in his church to show you we have come back to the word who is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I shared with you Jack Coe's first encounter and I'm just going to remind you of it. He said, I was having a tent meeting in, in San Antonio, 1945. He said, I heard of this man, William Branham, discerning the hearts, people's hearts and praying for the sick. And he said, you know, sometimes we think we're the only one doing something for God. And when I heard about discernment, he said, I thought it was fortune telling. So, so he said, I decided to go for myself. And to find out what it was all about and said I was, since he was in the same town that I was. But I tried to get in that healing line and I failed. 
He was discerning people and declaring them healed. So one man he prayed for had no eyeballs at all. Do you remember this? And he told him that eyeballs would be formed in three days. And I thought anybody could say that. You know, here's a man come among all the thousands that are there and packed out tent meeting. And here God comes and said, in three days you'll have eyeballs. Well, anybody can say that. You know, this guy disappears in the crowd and you never know what happens to him. He walks off as blind as blind can be with no eyeballs. And Brother Branham had told him, in three days you'll have eyeballs. said, eyeballs will, will be formed in three days. And he said, I thought anybody could say that. So as William Branham finished praying, they led him out to the door where I was sitting nearby. And he says, as he reached close to me, he stopped instantly and he laid his hands on me and he prayed silently. And after that, he told me I was not sick, but my body was just tired. Then he softly said, you were doubting whether this was of God or not. And I want to tell you, this is of God, and we're both fighting the same devil. Amen. Go on and continue your revival, for, where you, for, for you were also called to pray for the sick. He said, I left that meeting, it was like I was walking on clouds. But after three days, I decided to find out about that man without eyeballs. And when I saw him, he was still blind, but eyeballs had formed. And it was now noon, and that night after he fell asleep, he woke up around 7 p.m. and started running around shouting praises to the Lord because he was now seeing. And he said, from then on, I knew Reverend Branham was no ordinary preacher but was called for a dispensational purpose. Amen. You see, they had to testify, amen, the very things that I just read to you, as Brother Brandon said, it would vindicate John 15, 24, if I had not done among them the works which no other man did. And let me tell you, even today, there's no other man. I don't care how many evangelists has risen, there's no other man. I don't care whether there was a Roberts with bigger campaigns or Coe with the biggest tent. Jack, Jack you know, went and measured Oral's tent and built one a foot bigger so he could brag, have the bragging rights, you know, of having the biggest tent. Amen, that's right. T.L. Osborne, uh, Brother Rissler can tell you, you know, he, when, when he came and he said, he came and in and, and, and his second, second time that he went to his meetings there and he came in Pennsylvania, he had been a young Amish boy that was, I mean, Mennonite boy that had, had um, received the, the Holy Ghost and God was dealing with him in his life. And there he went to T.L. Osborne's service and he said, we were disappointed because he spent the whole time begging for money. That's right. Amen. Your testimony. Amen. Amen. The whole time. But this man. What I'm trying to say, we saw the ministry of Christ again. Amen. What was that purpose for? To show us there's a voice in this last day that is leading us back to the word again. That the message of Malachi 4 is to turn the hearts back to the faith. 
Nobody else can do it. No other message will do it for you. Amen. Now, so, so again, Brother Branham would tell us in Souls in Prison, he said, this has been, may I put it like this, the ministry of Jesus Christ reincarnated in his church in this last day. Amen. The ministry of Christ reincarnated. Now, so Brother Bradham's ministry, we can look back over it. It was both the ministry of Moses calling the people out of Egypt and the ministry of Joshua placing the elect in the land of the inheritance. And Caleb, of course, there's where you fit in. You are the believer that stood with Joshua. Amen. Amen. How many are you, the believer? Amen. Amen. That says we're more than able to take it. That stands with Joshua. Who was Joshua? Amen. The one placing us into the inheritance. Amen. Now, so again, then his ministry was not only, let's carry it further now, because Jesus also brought them into a new land, a new covenant. And so his ministry was, was both the ministry of John, the forerunner, and the ministry of Christ. Amen. The shout, the word. Now, and then properly speaking, now here's where you fit in, the bride is the book of Acts that follows. Hallelujah. So we saw in the ministry of Brother Branham both the forerunner and Christ. Amen. Not that Brother Branham was Christ, but the word is Christ. Amen. But in that ministry, we saw the forerunner and we saw Christ. But you are the book of Acts that follows the ministry of Christ that was on display. Amen. Now, not in a one-man ministry, but in a multi-membered body. Amen. So you see, you see the ministry of Christ and, the, and that of the book of Acts is one and the same. Let me just share with you. hope I got, yes, uh, this message, this is from the token message. Listen, he said it has to be because a woman and her husband becomes one. They become one, and so does the bride and Christ become one. The ministry of the bride and the ministry of Christ is the same. And remember these former treatises, old Theophilus, that I wrote to you that Jesus began to do, and then Brother Brandon says, and continues to do. His death didn't stop him. He returned again. Not a third person, but the same person returned in the form of the Holy Ghost to continue the work on and continues on, said the book of Acts. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here you are, the continuation of the very ministry of Christ that you saw on display. Amen. We know what it could do. Joshua, we could say, hey, it will open up the, 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 the river. It, it'll bring down the walls of Jericho. Amen. Amen. It'll conquer anything. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Now, it's your land. Go conquer it. Yes. 
It's your land, now go possess it. Coming to the full birth of Malachi 4 that births you into the land of promise. Hallelujah. Now, again, we can go back to another type. We can see Revelation 10, 1, the mighty angel. He's revealed through Revelation 10, 7, the seventh angel. Amen? But that ain't the end of it. You see, church, our message, the message, did not end with William Branham. And when they finally buried him over in April 1966, when they finally put him in the grave, that did not end the message. And that did not end the ministry. Amen. And that did not end where a people would again do the, the third thing that's shown there. Come on. Revelation 10, 1, the mighty angel revealing himself through. Revelation 10, 7, continued on after people eats the book. Amen. Come on. And then what do they do? They prophesy. Amen. So you see, there's something to follow the message. It's a continuation of the same message. Amen. Not a new message. It's continuation of the same message. Brother Branham would tell us in the Laodicean church age, said uh, Revelation verse, uh, uh, the last chapter of Revelation verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Once more, the world will hear direct from God as at Pentecost. Notice what he says, once more. Man, we've had the message of Malachi 4. But once more, the world will hear direct from God as at Pentecost. There's somebody going to be some Book of Acts believers. There's somebody going to be a continuation of the Book of Acts. Somebody's coming back to the land again. Amen. Now, so Brother Branham would tell us in the future home, he says, how do you know your part? Because that word, the word of the hour, the promise of the day, what is it? A restoration back to the first day. The first. And he shall return the hearts, restore the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Bring a restoration again of the Pentecostal genuine. Not sensations. And will manifest the evening light the same sun that showed it in the morning light as promised for the day. Now we know, we know we're here at the time where the evening sun is sinking. But he said, Father, we know this is the end of the gospel. It's the end of time. It's the end of the age. And she's fading into eternity. But you promised the sun would come on and the Son of Man would be revealed in the last days this would take place. The evening light has come. Now don't get confused with that. We're not living in a Pentecostal age. We are living in another age. That's true. This is not the Azusa age. This is the bride age. Amen. See, we're, we're not living, and I'm quoting Brother Branham, we're not living in a Methodist age. We're living on in another age. 
We're living on up here to the bright age, the calling out of the church and getting it together for the rapture. That's the age we are now living. To my honest opinion, that's exactly the truth. How many believe that this morning? In the rapture message, he says, Enoch was the seventh from, from Adam. He says Noah, but it's Adam. He said, which was a type of the church ages. And now all the rest of the six men before him died, but Enoch was translated. Enoch was raptured, the seventh, showing that it is the seventh church age that takes the rapture. And there's no doubt we're in the seventh church age. We all know it. Amen. You say, well, now, Brother Tim, I'm not of that church age. Bless God. I'll tell you right now, I ain't no Christ rejecter. That's only the false vine. There's a true vine that was also spoke to. Amen. Some victorious ones. Hallelujah. That come in and sup with him. Amen. That receive the reward for overcoming. And that is to be raptured up to the throne. Amen. So... So I tell you what, if you're not, if, if what you call the bride age is something different from the seventh age, then it misses the rapture. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. Because it's the seventh church age that takes the rapture. Yeah. All the other six died, but Enoch was translated. Because he was not found, God took him. But Enoch raptured was a type of all the rest of them dying, but Uh, But the end time bride will be called out. The rapturing without death will be called out of the seventh church age, which we are now bearing record of that age. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's a false vine out there bearing record of lukewarm, blind, wretched, miserable, and don't know it. But there is also another group, the true vine, the grain, and they're bearing record of this age. They receive the eyesight instead of blindness. Hallelujah. They have ears to hear what the Spirit says. Somebody with me now? Amen. They got raiment that they're dressed in instead of nakedness. Amen. Oh, yes. They, they are also receive a reward. Amen. You get a reward. You get a reward for being here in this Laodicean age and overcoming and accepting the word of God for the hour. You get a reward. And what's your reward? A rapture. Amen. Now, Brother Branham would tell us in the Laodicean church age, he said this age is the last of the seven church ages. What began in the first Ephesian age must and will come to full fruition and harvest in the last or Laodicean age. Now that's both the false vine and the true vine. We all come to fruition. And again, he would tell us in the invisible union, he said, now, you know, we can't, we cannot finish the Great Commission with a closed book. With the land still not open to us. Now, Israel, no matter how much they had come out under Moses' ministry and wandered around in the wilderness, could never fulfill the promised word. Somebody with me now? Until they got in the land. Now, 
There's no way then that the Great Commission can be fulfilled amen, until, until the book is open. Otherwise, how can you come back to the gospel of Jesus Christ? There's not a one of the denominations that have it. Amen. They've got some, some things, but they, ain't got, they hadn't got the full commission. Amen. They hadn't been returned to the gospel. The gospel that Paul preached. Amen. The closest thing there is to, to it is the Pentecostal group that stands there on the border of it and shouting and saying, you know, we, we got the promise. We got the promise. It's all in sight right here. And, and they're all emotional, but they don't cross into it. We need people to cross into that land. It ain't enough to shout on the borders of it. You've got to enter into it. Now, Brother Branham would tell us God had to open those seven seals, not in a denomination, because it wouldn't receive it. So he would have to open it outside of denominations. Amen. To do that, he would have to call a bride out. He would have to use a channel. He'd have to use a prophet. Couldn't use a reformer. Couldn't use a Bible school. He would have to use a channel. Amos 3 and 7 said, the Lord God will do nothing except he reveals his servants, to his secrets to his, his servants, the prophets. Is that right? So you, show, you see, it shows, it brings forth things that have been hid. The great plan of redemption, the full plan has been hid from the foundation world, might be revealed in the last day. Sons of God. That's the hour we're in. Now, the church has been on a journey, but it is now the hour that we come into the fullness of the Word. Now, I'm going to tell you, friend, just taking and eating it ain't enough. Come on. That's a good part of it. And I want to say, it seemed like for the last 50 years, we've been eating a steady diet of it. Amen. Getting word on top of word on top of word. Trying to get all the greenness out. All the immaturity out of the past ages. Amen. But friends, it's high time that there be a people crossover. Amen. Into the full inheritance. You say, well, now, Brother Tim, we did that, and the seals are open, but the land lays before us. It's more than Jericho. So, well, glory to God, we got the seals, and, you know, the thunders revealed, and it shook the devil, and it poured down, tore down the walls, but there's more beyond the walls. And that's what I'm saying today. Let's conquer the land. Well, God gave us this land. We have nothing to conquer. No, that land has every kind of devil of unbelief sitting on it. And you're going to have to take possession of it. Amen. If Even if it's your healing, you're going to have to take possession of it. Whatever it is, you're going to have to take possession. Amen. The church has been on, on, on a journey. But now is the hour that we come into the fullness of the word. Across Jordan, it was, as Brother Brandon saw in the vision, is where all, say all, all, all the promises lay. Amen. Right. Now, others have had their inheritance along the way. Right. Some of them died there. You know, but it's across Jordan 
where did all the promises lay? You see, Luther's message was justification, but it was a station. It was a stopping place in the wilderness journey. Sanctification was another station closer to the promised land, a little further up the road than Luther's message. But it wasn't the land. Azusa Street was even closer, tasting some of its gifts. And it came as far as Cadiz Barnea, standing on the edge of the promised land and getting a simpler sample or two of its fruits. Amen. So, well, brother, we got speaking in tongues. Well, you know, yes, that's some of the fruits of the land, but there's more to it. Amen. And to go over and get some and bring it back don't even mean you're in the land. You just made a visit and headed back. You found out and tasted the Holy Ghost is good. But there's more to it than your tongues. But Pentecost took speaking in tongues instead of going on into the full word. And they stopped running around the mountain over and over again. Now, Brother Branham would call that Cadiz Barnea. And he says Azusa Street, and really all of them came standing on the edge of the promise. And I'm telling you, it isn't good enough even in this church to stand there looking in and getting a taste of it once in a while and never going in to the fullness of the promise. God ain't taking grandchildren in this message. Amen. You're going to have to be a child of God. That's right. Now, again, Brother Branham would tell us in question and answers on the Holy Ghost. He said, you know, he would quote from Deuteronomy, the first chapter, and he said, what do people do? They come to Kadesh Barnea. And then he would say, this tabernacle. And brings it right down to his home church. And I, let me just say it. Always in any congregation, there's somebody there. That are standing right there looking in. They're sympathizers. They say it's good. They agree that it's of God. They sympathize with it and say it's the truth. But they themselves never go on in the land. They're more satisfied just being in the camp of believers. Remain in a, a mixed multitude instead of coming all the way in. I'm telling you, you got to go all the way in. Amen. You got to put everything you got into it. Are you with me? Uh, you say, well, I'll tell you, Brother Tim, uh, I think I got as much as I can out of this church. I'll go try another church. It won't work. You can go running here and you can run it. But if you don't get that deep inside of you satisfied, you'll hunt and hunt and go like a foolish virgin looking for your oil and never find it. Amen. There's plenty of oil right here. Amen. Where you can find that oil of the Holy Ghost and give you a satisfying portion that are satisfied that deep on the inside of you that's hunting for satisfaction somewhere that you can't get satisfied. So you keep trying this and trying that and trying that. Why don't you really try Jesus one time? Why don't you really get down and get lost in Christ? Amen. Where the world dies, where sin dies, 
Amen. It'll take away your sin. It'll take away your vanity. It'll take away your pride. It'll make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. Brother Brandon said, this tabernacle, this Pentecostal world is at Cadiz Barnea right now. That's exactly right. We're at Cadiz Barnea. The judgment seat of the world was, and he says, the spies went out. Joshua said, I sent spies, or Moses, I sent spies, 12 of them. One of them out of every tribe has sent them to spy out the land and bring back a report. And when they come back, there was, there was all but two of them. And they all would say, it's a good land, but mercy, we can't take it. The Amorites are there, and we look like grasshoppers up the side. And they're armed men, and their walls are big, and oh my, I wish we'd have died down yonder in Egypt, the city of bringing us out here. Brother Branham would again to talk about this and church choosing law for grace because he realized that the church was in a journey and had come to a place where somebody has to cross back into the land, into the gospel that Paul preached. Amen. With the same Holy Ghost, the same power, the same word, the same doctrine. And he says, he said they, he said they got around there and he said they started wandering around. They got up and tasted of the Holy Ghost. And I can just think of so many that do this. And they go round around the mountain saying Acts 2 and 4, Acts 2 and 4, Acts 2 and 4, Acts 2 and 4, hallelujah, receive the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, and the Spirit gives them utterance. Glory to God, pray for me, I'll be the one that God's called in the last day. Uh, Acts 2 and 4, glad I got the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. That's all right. That's all right. But why are you traveling on this same old mountain when there's promised land before you? Now, you know, some of you sit like pious people and say, but then you go around Malachi 4, Malachi 4, Malachi 4, God sent a prophet, God sent a prophet, without ever going on into the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's time, church, after digesting and tasting this, that somebody has the same prophecy that the seventh angel had, that somebody preaches the same word and sees the same power working in the lives of the people. Hallelujah. And he says, you know, there's a promise line. Bless God, I joined the assemblies. I joined the oneness. I joined this. I joined that. Same old thing, the Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Lutheran, the rest of them done, died in their tracks. Again, he continues speaking about this in the next paragraph. Church choosing law for grace. That was a shadow and a type of the Pentecostal church today. Forty years later, we still find ourselves still We find ourselves still Acts 2 and 4. God might come in with something else, with some more of his blessings. They say, well, glory to God. We didn't have that. Hallelujah. We believe Acts 2 and 4. And here our forefathers organized this. And if they don't come up to this, bless God, we won't cooperate with it. 
And he said, you poor, degenerated, backslidden, what's the matter, miserable? How can you follow God? How can you go where the Spirit goes? Your organization would be fine if you'd end your doctrine with a comma. We believe this plus what God can add to it. But when you end it with a period, we believe this, and you told the mark to this, or that's it. Well, that's what Luther done. That's what Wesley done. That's what John Smith done. That's what Alexander Campbell done. That's what they all done. That's what Pentecost has done. There you are dead for 40 years on your tracks. And the promised land of the fullness of God's blessings lay right before you. Amen. Amen. He would go on again in another sermon. There's more than Acts 2 and 4 for you. Every promise in the book belongs to the church. And God is waiting for his church to rise and receive it. Hallelujah. I hope I'm talking to people today that's ready to spread their borders. Amen. I hope there's some people today that are ready to take more of that promised land. Amen. But again, you see, the message is not only the day of Pentecost or the repeat or the return. Now, don't get that confused. Say, well, we're, we're going back to Pentecost. Well, you see, the Azusa Street people represented that again. But the message is to return to the full message that Paul and the apostles preached who divided law from grace. Can I say it this way? The apostle Paul broke the seals and interpreted the mysteries which were before only types and shadows until that time. Amen. Didn't that what happened? They were looking for a literal lamb, and Paul had to show them there is, there is a lamb, and it's the lamb of God. He had had to show them this is a greater priesthood. This is of the order of Melchizedek. He would have to show them this is a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of your infirmity. He would have to divide the law from grace. He would have to show them you are the royal seed. There was another seed. Amen. Then we're only typing you. What was Paul doing? Breaking the seals off of the types and the shadows in order to bring them into a new covenant, into a new land. Amen. But now, but I want you just to understand, it's even more than that. It's more than just embracing what Paul preached. It's more than saying, yeah, we got predestination down just like he did. Eternal security just like he got it. Divine healing just like he preached it. Baptism in Jesus' name just the way he done it. We can go through all of these. Now, we're, we, we, we got all our doctrines down. But it's more than that. This grain, although it's the same as the original, a man is predestinated to the grain elevator. And is not predestinated to be planted. Amen. Oh, yeah. I understand we may have a few of our still planted, but I tell you, there's going to be some alive and remain at the coming of the Lord that's going up in the grain elevator, that's going in a rapture in this age. This is rapture time. This is rapture age. Now, 
So Brother Branham would tell us that this age, this Laodicean age, would start around the turn of the century, the 20th century, and it's to be the age in which the true church would return to being the bride she was at Pentecost. Amen. 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 We know there must of necessity be a return of dynamic power. And the believers said in that early day, since this in their spirit, and began to cry out to God for an outpouring such as was in the first century. And what seemed to be the answer, what's this word, seemed to be the answer, came as many began to speak in tongues and manifest gifts of the Spirit. It was then believed that this was a long-awaited restoration. But it was not. For the latter rain could only come after the former rain, which is the spring or teaching rain. The real, how could this be the real thing when the teaching rain had not come? The prophet messenger who was sent to teach the people and to turn the hearts of the children back to the Pentecostal fathers had not yet come. Thus, what was thought to be restoration and the final quickening to the rapture had not come. And it was a mixture of the unrighteous partaking of spiritual blessing and manifesting in the Holy Ghost. As we've kept pointing out to you, uh, it is also, was also devil power as men were under control of, of devils and yet no one seemed to realize it. And then to prove it was not the real, these people, even before the second generation had appeared organized. In fact, if you want to know some dates and time, 1906, the Spirit is poured out. 1913 comes the first Pentecostal denomination. They didn't wait hardly seven years. And they denominated. And they denominated with men like, with men standing there, like John G. Lake saying, your tongues have become rattling and are manufactured. And then you had men like F.F. Bosworth say, it's not the evidence of the Holy Ghost. It is an evidence. He does speak in tongues, but it's not the evidence that you can speak in tongues and not have it. But what they do, they, they banish men like that from their denomination. Amen. And they went on and organized on a doctrine, and they died in their tracks. And they just became a station along the journey. Amen. So God would, God would again make another move and more light would come and the oneness would run out with their, with their teaching of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and, and that would spread and cause a division. But it didn't take no time for them to organize right as, as tight as the, the, the assemblies. But let me ask you something. Here he said, this 20th century, this age of Laodicea was to be the age in which the true church would return to being the bride she was at Pentecost. Now, I'm going to ask you, has the true church to return to what Pentecost was in the first age? I hope you can say yes to that. I hope you can say, yes, I've returned. I'm here. I'm here in the land. Amen. Did the seventh age receive its latter rain, its, its harvest rain, 
to put on the grain of the wheat and to bring it into maturity, to, to cause it to leave the shuck stage and come into the grain age, you know, to produce a harvest. Has the prophet messenger came to teach the people and then the latter rain, which would be the opening of those seven seals in order to bring us into the fullness of the word. Has it happened? Are we living in that day? Amen. Brother Branham said it did. He saw it in the vision. Amen. He saw it in the vision. Let me tell you, he saw, he saw the bride in the preview come again. Exactly like the first one. Let me just say, if it hadn't fully materialized, it's going to. Amen. Maybe there's a few still out of step, but it's going to get in step. Amen. The vision never fails. This is what he said. I saw myself coming down two-thirds of the way down to Jordan. And he said, them visions never fail. And there's a people today who have crossed the Jordan. Amen. Amen. Who've seen the mysteries revealed. Who are here in the land. Now what I'm urging you to do today is to take more of it. Amen. Amen. It's your time to speak. It's your time to act upon it. Amen. Now, so this is what he said. Now, Read Malachi 4 and see if we're not to have a message in the last day that had turned the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the original Pentecostal message, word by word. And then he says, brothers, we are here. Amen. Hallelujah. He can announce the arrival. Yeah. Amen. Amen. The eagle has landed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. The eagle has spread it for their wings, bearing her young back to the promised land. And let me announce to you, the eagle has landed. And there today is a people in the land that will match the land. Their spirit is the same spirit of this land. Hallelujah. And there is a church that is rising after 50 years of teaching and learning about the word of God that is now ready and is prepared for a ministry that will bring Christ back to the earth again and raise the dead of the seven ages. And you are people of the climax. Hallelujah. A people of manifested sons, revealed sons. Oh, I know, I know there was some moves that would come along, and there's always been moves. There was Elijah's before Brother Branham. There was Alexander Dowie that made a joke, made, made a mockery of, of, of Elijah by his behavior, grew him a long beard and put on a robe and pretended to be Elijah. Well, you say, Brother Tim, you see, you see, there's been Elijah, Elijah's before. Yeah, that's what they could say. Well, you know, in the days of John the Baptist said, there's been others that's risen. Right. Amen. Let 400 out in the wilderness and they all perish. Right. Amen. There's been before. There, there's been other who tried to manufacture 
Amen. But I want you to know, this was not manufactured. This was not even old Robert's imagination. Come on, church. Amen. This was more than that. This was the angel of God, a pillar of fire, the same one that spoke to Moses. Come in our generation to lead a people out of here in the glory. Now, in the message adoption, Brother Branham would look to this. And he says, tell me, my brother, tell me, my sister, when was the time that the sons of God was ever to be manifested? That word manifest means revealed. It's, it, it, comes, it, it comes from apocalyptu, which is the same word as apocalypse, which means the revealing or the revelation. Don't we understand there's more than a book revealed? Amen. It's more than giving you a new doctrinal statement. It's sons revealed. God's revealing himself in sons of God, daughters of God, pouring out his spirit. Amen. He says, now, tell me, my brother, my sister, when was the time that sons of God was ever to be manifested outside of this time now? When was there ever a time in history that this manifests the time to deliver all nature? Nature itself is groaning, waiting for the time of manifestation. Why, before the atonement was made, before the Holy Ghost was ever poured out, before all the Old Testament owned down, there couldn't have been a manifestation. It had to wait until this time. And now all things have brought, coming up, shaping up to a headstone, to the manifestation of sons of God, sons of God coming back, and the Spirit of God coming into these men so perfectly until their ministry will be so like Christ until it'll join him and his church together. Hallelujah. A ministry so like Christ. And we've already seen it displayed. And it's already here. Hallelujah. But it's only waiting for somebody with faith to anoint it and believe it and say, this is the hour. This is the time. Amen. The Spirit of God coming into men so perfect until their ministry will be so much like Christ till it join him and his church together. Why? Because it is not just an anointing. It's the person of Christ coming to individuals. Now, you want to talk about adoption. Let's get to understand the token is the adoption. And that places us in the land, the Holy Ghost. That, that's what positions you there. Amen. The token must be applied. So this is not just the time of the lamb, of just the lamb and keeping of the lamb. You remember Israel was told you keep up the lamb so many days. And you examine the lamb. And, and making sure it is perfect. And I just wanted to say, we've had years of that. The Baptists looked at it and said, he's a perfect lamb. 
And then the Methodists combed him over with a fine-tooth comb and said, you know, he's a perfect lamb. And yes, Christ was without blemish. Amen. And neither is it a time of collecting the blood and having it in a bucket. But the literal life of Christ must be on display. This is what Brother Branham preached. He said, this is the hour of displaying the token. Not talking about the lamb and how perfect he was. And we can talk about the lamb, that's fine. Talk about the lamb, talk about the cross, talk about the perfect man, Christ. Amen, it's great to preach about it. I'm not undermining that, but I'm telling you, friend, this is not just a day of talking about the lamb of Calvary. This is not a time of just having the bucket of the blood over here collecting. It's not a collector's meeting. This is a time the blood, the blood life of Christ must be on display. It's got to be displayed in the church. It's got to be displayed in your life. Everywhere you go, that everybody can see, amen, that there's a lamb's blood that identifies you. It's a sign. The Holy Ghost becoming a sign, identifying you as a son of God. Amen. This thing is thundering because you're not. I'm trying to preach to you this morning. Thunder with me. Oh, he's going to adjust it for you now. He's adjusted. Now it's your turn. Amen. Amen. Tighten the screws down on you just a moment. Amen. Amen. Listen, the token message, Brother Branham said, now we have a token for this day. We have been given a token, which is the antitype of that type, or oh, the natural token. We have been given the supernatural supreme token. All that was foreshadowed has been given to this generation, has been given the token and now we have the Holy Ghost is our token and it is our identification that we have accepted the death of the Lamb. Not only was Jesus just a human life to come back upon us, but it was God himself manifest in flesh that brought back upon us the adoption of sons. That we are now the sons and daughters of God and that is the token. It is our identification of the Passover. It is our identification that we have believed God and God has accepted. Amen. Amen. Now what do we mean by this token? What in the world do we mean? It's the blood is a, is a sign, a token that the lamb has been slain and his blood has been applied. His life for your life. His life now on display. Amen. Exodus 12, 13. Let's just read that together so we get it. And the blood shall be to you for a token. That means a sign upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the pledge shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So God instructed Israel the night they left Egypt, slay a lamb and apply its blood. And, I, and, and, and every denomination will preach the death of the lamb. And they're talking about the lamb is without blemish. And how, what a beautiful sacrifice he was. 
Come on. But church, that ain't it. You're in the day and the hour where the blood life of Christ must be applied and on display. Amen. The people of God must display its token. Amen. That the lamb didn't just die. It died for me. It took my place. Amen. And its life has been applied to me. And everywhere I go, it is shouting. If there's a voice of that blood that is shouting everywhere I go. You know, I've got to understand, friends. This blood has got to be on display in this hour. It's not enough to come around and talk about the message. You've got to apply the token. If that life isn't on display, well, I spoke in tongues. But if the life ain't on display, well, I shouted. But if the life ain't on display, well, I believe the message. But if the life ain't on display. You see, where, where that, when, when a worshiper took and slew the lamb, and, and the blood then become applied to him, everybody could see he was a worshiper and that his lamb was slain. Right? Because when he slew that lamb, it spurted out blood everywhere. And let me just talk about the eagle just for a moment. Because the eagle, a real true eagle, not some of these scavenger birds out here, but a real eagle, like the golden eagle, it'll eat that fresh-killed meat. And when it digs down into it with his beak, the blood flows. Amen. Well, you say, Brother Tim, we're really eating the message. Well, then I want to see where's the blood. Well, I'm really listening, and I'm really getting in the mess. Where's the blood? Amen. You, you, when, when an eagle, when an eagle rips with his beak, the blood flows. It gets all over him. Everybody can see he's been in the word. He's been in the message because the blood life is on display. There's no more pretending. It's not just a church joining. It's the blood life. And the blood has got to be on display. Or else the death angel gets you. Amen. Now God instructed Israel when they left Egypt, slay a lamb, apply its blood on the door. And that's what we want to ask. You know, yeah, we know there's a death angel in the land. That can be a lot of preaching. They can be preaching about death angels and and they can even make it scarier than what it is. I mean, we can get into all kinds of of, of, of these uh, programs where we get into these conspiracy theories and you hear preachers preaching about them. That's nonsense. You say, well, Brother Tim, ain't there some truth to it? There may be some truth somewhere. But it's so, it's so lost out in there, friends. Why? Why are you dealing in that? Come back to a message. I mean, that's not vindicated. This is vindicated. And we're going to sit around and talk about conspiracy theories. That's nonsense. Get into the message. 
There is a conspiracy going on, and that's a devil that has decided to try to take your life, and he's been a deceiver down through the ages, but his scheme has been uncovered by the resurrected Christ, and you've got an antidote for it. Amen. That's why God sent you a message so you'd have a voice of Christ in this last day. Amen. Amen. Now, God instructed them because God's wrath was being poured out upon sin. And all had sinned. Even Israel had sinned. The plague of death was coming. And through the prophet's message, God had provided that a lamb's death could be accepted in the place of a firstborn. The blood upon the doorposts was to be a, a token or a sign that the lamb had died in the place of the inhabitants of that home. Now, you may all agree the lamb died. Yeah, Jesus was that lamb. But until his life is applied on your life, all of your believing that he was a good lamb is in vain. You can believe that Moses was the prophet and he was sin of God and vindicated by a pillar of fire and enjoyed telling about the stories. But until you yourself, that life is on display. It's all in vain. Until you actually do what the message said, amen, and get that life upon your life. Then all you're believing is in vain. It's for nothing. Now, the blood was a visual sign that the lamb had died. Its blood applied. God recognized and accepted the blood in the believer's place. And the plague passed over that home. Now, Brother Branham tells you that in the same way that the blood was a sign there, he said, in the same way, he said, now the token is, or the, uh, the token is the adoption. It's you being recognized as a son. When the Holy Ghost comes, I'm not talking about a jump or shout. I'm talking about the person of Christ comes into your life. And it may have come without jumping or shouting or speaking in tongues, because all don't speak in tongues, though we forbid not speaking in tongues. Amen. Got to watch the balance there because people there without a new birth experience wants to deny the supernatural. And then other people want to put all of their faith in emotion. And our faith is not in the emotion, come on, or the jump or the shout or even the gift. But our faith is in Christ, the Word, and it being on display in our lives. Because if it ain't on display, I don't care what you claim. You can claim anything you want to claim. But until that life is on display, it's all in vain. Now, similarly, when a person is adopted, because Brother Brandon tells us this age of adoption. Now we come to another allegory, another type. One's the lamb and the blood. Now, this is, this is the adoption, the recognizing of you as a son. So he says, so similarly, when a person is adopted and placed in the family of God, 
by true baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is the ceremony of God's recognition of that person. It is not something that he guesses about or hopes that it happened, but it's the experience of God recognizing that person as his son and daughter. It is the father wrapping the robe of the true baptism of the Holy Ghost around that person, that coat of many colors, the coat of the favored son. It's God recognizing you as his heir. Amen. Now, you know, again, we could have a man raise up in here and said, I'm, I'm a deacon. I'm called to be a deacon. And I'm going to be a deacon in this church because that's what I am. I'm a deacon. And I'll tell you, I don't like what's happening here, so I'll go correct that and I'll do that. But unless, unless he's had the ceremony, unless he's been officially recognized, by the church, by the body of believers, and ordained by the ministry. Are you with me? He has no right to operate no matter how much he thinks he's a deacon. Is somebody with me now? And you can claim I'm a son of God, I'm a child of God, I have a right to every promise, I can, I tell you, I can defeat any devil, you can make any kind of boast and claim, but unless God sets you aside and baptized you with the Holy Ghost and put his robe of the Holy Spirit upon you and gave you a new name and identified you as his son, you are just imagining things, pretending. Now, without adoption, without God recognizing you as a son, and that's what happens when he gives you the Holy Ghost. It's God's official recognition. You're mine. Amen. Without adoption, they're not participants in the inheritance and have no right to act in the Father's name. The problem is, Today, with so many, nobody knows if they have been adopted. And no one knows when they are adopted. Yet they're told that their behavior can keep them from adoption or inheriting as a son, therefore obtaining the promised rapture. So you got many believers going along hoping they're adopted, hoping that when they meet the enemy, they got the power. Most of them hiding behind a rock somewhere waiting on the power to come. But I want to tell you, I got some good news for you. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you receive power from on high. You have the authority to act in his name. Whatever you bind on earth, he'll bind it in heaven. Amen. You, you have a right to a rapture. And your behavior will never keep you out of that rapture because you, your behavior will always be word right. Amen. And brought in line with this word. Come on, somebody. Amen. It won't be, it won't be this in and out, up and down thing. No, it'll be a, a constant walk in Christ, knowing who you are, identified in the promise. So, yeah, they're told, well, now, you better be careful. You'll not make the rapture now. You know your behavior. Your behavior is going to keep you from it. Really? 
I'll tell you, your behavior will keep you from getting the Holy Ghost. The wrong behavior will keep God from recognizing you as a son and giving you the, 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 the coat, changing your name and putting you in authority, a place of authority. Your behavior will keep you from that. But once you get the Holy Ghost, he knows you're not going to behave in ways that will keep you out of the rapture. Because when the Holy Ghost comes, he will convince you of sin. He will tell you when you're wrong. Amen. Can you really have, come on now, can you really have the seal of the Spirit, the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then misbehave and miss the rapture? No. A resounding no. The Holy Ghost seals you to your destination. The day your body will be changed. Nothing, let me just say it, nothing can break that seal. God will never put his seal of approval upon a person knowing down the road that something will happen that will cause them to fall from grace. Amen. The sin question is settled. Hallelujah. I, I know, I know what I'm talking about. It's worked for me. I can see many of you that it's worked for you. The sin question was settled. Amen. Brother Brandon would explain it like this in the breach. He said, like I used to work for the railroad company. And we had a load of boxcars with, with cans and different things from the cannon factory. Before that car could be sealed, the inspector came around to see that that car was properly loaded, and if not, the first time it rammed together or something, it scattered the stuff and break it. And the railroad company was responsible. And if that inspector could test, would test everything, that inspector would test everything to see if it was properly in place. If it wasn't, he condemned the car. And then we had to do it over again. Until the inspector was satisfied. Now that's what happens. You come down here and you're asking for him to seal you with the Holy Ghost. And the inspector comes and says, but son, there's something you haven't surrendered. There's something there you haven't given up. There's something, there's a temper loose in your life. Amen. There's a lust problem that you, you, keep, you keep breaking loose and getting out here in pornography. There's a, there's a sin problem there. And you've got to deal with that. It's got to be put in order before I can seal you to the destination. So he comes out and what happens? He condemns the car and you go back out feeling condemned. Why didn't I get the Holy Ghost? Well, because you wouldn't put that in order. You see, people want to be a believer and still have pornography, still watch dirty movies, still feed on things of the world. Come on. Amen. Still having all of this, uh, these other problems. You say, Brother Tim, you mean we would never be tempted again? That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying there's a power in the hour of temptation. Amen. There is something there to convince you that's wrong. There is something there that will, a power that turns you. You don't control it. It controls you. God puts a bit in your mouth. And I don't care what way your flesh still wants to go. It is pulled around by the Holy Ghost. Because you're bridled and can't go the way the flesh goes no more. Amen. The inspector places a seal on it. And then no one can break this seal. Let me tell you, no devil can. No power of the enemy. No temptation. Nothing can break that seal until it reaches its destination. Amen. Grieve not by the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed to the day of your redemption. Is that right? To the day your body's changed. Oh, yes. You see, you see, Brother Tim said, well, I'll tell you, I saw this guy believe the message. He even spoke in tongues. He shouted. And there he went out and ran off with somebody else's wife. Well, here's the problem. He wasn't sealed. He ran off without getting the blood on display. If the blood was on display, then it would have kept him from sin. The death angel would have had to pass. Amen. The Holy Spirit inspects that person until he is thoroughly satisfied and knows that they are. Then they are sealed to their eternal destination. There's nothing can ever break that seal. Amen. Then he quotes Ephesians 4.30. Until the day that the book of redemption has been revealed and the Redeemer comes to claim his own possession, nothing can do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Therefore, it cannot perish. This is from the token. The life lays over it. It's a token. Lays over that little body. Lays over the soul of that person. There's a token over there, the Holy Spirit, that belongs to God. It's his. When I see the token, I'll pass over you. A positive token. The Holy Spirit is our token. Therefore, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you have passed from death into life. That's all there is to it because the life is in you. You can no more perish. The Bible said he that's born of God does not commit sin because he cannot sin for the seed of God. Amen. The seed of God remains in him. And how can he sin when the sinless God is in him? When he's in a sinless God, how can he sin? No matter what he's done, the blood is covered him. He's a new creature now. Amen. His desires and ambition is of heaven. And he's changed from a cucklebird to a wheat. Amen. His desires aren't the same as they once was. And he displays it. You say, oh, I believe that? And still sinning? Nah. You're deceived. See, it can't display nothing but the token. So you can't play, display the life of the lamb and the life of Satan at the same time. The blood is going to be on display. Now, 
those who call themselves born again by whatever baptism or portion of the Spirit they might have received, justification, sanctification, or Azusa Street experience, they must also be adopted and thus receive the true token, the baptism, the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm preaching about. The new birth according to Malachi 4. Now, the Holy Spirit received by portion must be received in its fullness. Now, so we're not saying the Lutherans didn't have the Holy Ghost. They had it by portion. We're not saying the Wesleyans didn't have the Holy Ghost. They had it by portion. We're not saying Azusa Street didn't have the Holy Ghost. They had it by portion. But this is the day of the return. Somebody with me? They're coming back to the inheritance. Amen. Word that you're born in the land, not born of the church, but born of the land. Now, so the token is the literal life of Christ returned back upon the believer. Now, you see, in the Western world, we think of adoption in terms of taking one child from one family, making them a member of another. But that's not the way that adoption was. In the Greek or the Roman father, they adopted uh, as a son his own child. And, And you see, birth made him a child, but adoption made him a son. And that's the way it is. These other acts of the Holy Ghost makes you a child, but adoption... The message of Malachi 4, the new birth, according to Malachi 4, makes you a son. It brings you into maturity. All right? Now, between the period of birth and adoption, there were stages of growth. Now, and, and, and that's it. You know, you, 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 know, you, you go and... And, and when you're born again by believing, that's what some people call born again. Certainly it is the first stage. It's the conception. Amen. There, there's a growth. And you grow on into sanctification. You, then you say, God, sanctify my life. Justification, your sins past are forgiven. You've got a clean slate. Now you begin to grow in Christ. And he begins to say, but you've got to surrender that. And you got to surrender this. You got to add something to that faith that you received. And you, you got to have strength to hold on. So I add some strength to hold on. So I add to your faith virtue. And, and the virtue, you got you to you add some knowledge. You got to learn about the Word of God and that the Word of God is always true. Because if you're going to get the Holy Ghost, if you come with the premise that it's good for some and ain't good for another, it, it ain't going to work. Amen. And so, you know, all of these things, you know, you gotta you gotta come to add your, your faith, virtue, virtue knowledge, and knowledge and temperance, because you, you gotta bring you bring bring that the passion, the passion, the human passion of temper and lust and everything else under control. You see, it's got to be tied down. It ain't that when a man gets the Holy Ghost, he no longer has a passion. Or he no longer has a sexual desires. 
But when he gets the Holy Ghost, that is controlled. It's brought subject to that which is right. Are you with me? Amen. So then, a man with the Holy Ghost, he doesn't have eyes for other women. No, you say, well, there's other, there, there's others. But when he sees it, he turns his head. And if he looks that way and, and has to turn his head and look that way and has to turn his head because they're all around, he starts just looking up. What am I trying to tell you? It causes you to look away. It causes you to remember the scripture, the ways of that wayward woman. Amen. Because you can commit adultery just by lusting in your heart. You don't have to do the actual act, and that's still sin. Are you with me now? But when the Holy Ghost comes, it is a power. You see, this is where we come in the last day. People are claiming the Holy Ghost and have no power to live the Word. They just can't do it. Why? They can't even come to church. They can't even assemble together. They can't even do the basic things. They don't have the power. They don't have the power to live a, a righteous life, a, a word life. But what I'm trying to tell you, when the Holy Ghost comes, it is the power. So what they do is in this last day, they will deny the power. So, well, we got the Holy Ghost as good as anybody, but we just can't live right. No, a man can't live above sin. He's still got to be a sinner all the rest of his life. You do not have to be a sinner the rest of your life. This is not a treatment center for sin. This is a sin cure. When you get the inoculation of the blood of Christ, there is no more sin if the sin question is settled. You say, well, but, but, but my, my flesh is still, yeah, your flesh will always still. But there's a bridle now in your mouth. There's something controlling you. It doesn't control you. I mean, you don't control it. It controls you. In your weakest hour. Look, look at Jesus. He said, no, well, he was God. Now, wait a minute. He laid aside his godship to become a man. And so when he overcame the devil, he overcame him not with the powers of God, but with the word of God. And when he got the Holy Ghost, he was led directly into temptation. When you get the Holy Ghost, you're still going to face temptation. But there in your in the wilderness, in your solitary moments, when you're all by yourself and the devil comes, amen, there's going to be something in you, amen, that when he comes to tempt, you're going to come back to it is written. Because, you see, when the spirit of truth has come, he will remind you or lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll remind you what I said to you. He will quicken you back to the word again. So, but if you're quickened over here to sin, well, then that sin nature is still alive in you. But when sin nature is dead, it don't feed on that no more. Now, Upon reaching maturity, the son becomes 
a candidate for adoption into sonship. At the adoption ceremony, the son would be recognized as one who could faithfully represent the father. He had arrived at that point of maturity where the father could entrust him with the responsibility of overseeing the family business. The son that was the heir of his father's inheritance. Birth gave him a right to the inheritance, but adoption gave him participation in the inheritance. Now, so the adoption would take place as a formal ceremony. The son would be set in a place of honor to be recognized before all the people. A special robe would be given him, signifying his new position would be given to him. And and he was given a ring that would be signifying his authority and the right to act in his father's name. You see, there was no guesswork about it. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you don't have to guess if you got it. It is an official recognition. As I said, the son, he didn't just assume a position. He had a ceremony. He had the robe. He had the ring. He had the badge of authority that went with it. And the father father was very clear about the transfer of power. Amen. And when you get the Holy Ghost, there is a transfer of power from God to you. That the same power that he had to overcome unbelief, you've got the same power. Amen. Amen. That the power of God is in you to salvation. Are you with me? Amen. No guesswork about it. The Bible Bible said in Acts chapter 1 and 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in all in Samaria and into all the uttermost parts of the earth. Now let me tell you, message believers, it is not simply embracing a doctrine. It is not simply embracing a new philosophy. It is not knowledge that is passed on to you intellectually. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5 says, Our gospel came not unto you in word only. Word only ain't going to get it done. So I believe the message. I believe God sent a prophet. I believe what you say is the truth. My mama believed it. My daddy believed it. My grandpa believed it. And they all believed it. And I believe it. That's my belief too. It ain't going to work. Our gospel come not to you in word only, but also in power. Amen. And in much assurance, in the Holy Ghost, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sakes. So you see again, you, you see repentance and profession of faith is your, the believer's acceptance of Christ. But the baptism of the Holy Ghost is God accepting you as a believer. God recognizing your faith. Amen. Is God recognized the believer as a son and then possess, position him in the body? Now, this adoption, the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, is when God recognizes the obedience of faith. And before man and angels, 
he places them in the body, the church, and then gives them participation in the inheritance of the saints. I have a special robe, every one of you. You remember when you, when you get there, nobody's getting in without the wedding garment. And if you come in in your old rags, you're going to be cast out because you didn't come through the door. You tried coming in a different way. And people coming in a different way without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're not going to get in. Amen. You're going to be cast out. You'll be stopped at the door and say, you've got to have the same robe everybody else has. And that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, this adoption, this true baptism of the Holy Ghost is when God recognizes the obedience of faith and then places you before men and angels, places you in the body, in his church, and gives you a participation in the inheritance. The special robe signifies their new position. A believer can wear no greater robe than the very life of Jesus Christ. That's what it got to be on display. The true baptism of the, of, of the Holy Ghost, the token, it is the adoption for the individual. The adoption is when God positions the believer in the body, in his church, And then when you're positioned there by the Holy Ghost, you have check-writing authority. Oh, oh, church, listen. You're you're listening intently to me this morning, but now listen to me real carefully. If you've got the Holy Ghost, if you've got the adoption robe, if the blood is on display, then you have check-writing authority. Now ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Write it out. Whatever the amount. Oh, church, we ought to be a people here today writing right and left. Amen. You're not going to run out. Come on. Amen. He said, ask anything. Amen. Whatsoever thing you desire when you pray, if you believe that you received it, you shall have it. Amen. That's his promise to you. It gives you participation in the, in the inheritance. Now as an adopted son, whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. Amen. Whatever you sign is signed. It's law. Come on, Esther. Write it out. Amen. Now is the time, Esther, the queen, take it there and write out the promise. Write it out against your enemy. You don't have to act like people that have no inheritance. You are the people with a special robe on who have been positioned in this land, who knows their God that they can do exploits. Now write out your check for you and for your children and for them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. It's time that a people recognizes what God gave you when he gave you the Holy Ghost. He gave you a position, a participation in the inheritance. Whatever's mine is yours. Whatever you need, I'm the supplier. Write it out. Go and act in my name. This is the acts of the apostles. The acts, the action of the apostles. It's time of people realize who they are. They're armed with authority. 
Amen. They have met God's approval. Amen. How many's got the Holy Ghost this morning? Then you got God's approval. You're not waiting on it. You got it. It's his approval that you're his son. Amen. Now, now then act in his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Armed with this authority and power, the believer can meet any devil. Say it with me. Any devil. And master any circumstances. You say, well, Brother Branham was a master of circumstances. Well, you are too. Amen. Whatever circumstances meet you, you are there to be its master. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. That's exactly right. You are, you are the master of circumstances. And all heaven stands behind you. Now, I'm talking to a people who are under the token. Are we under the token? I'm talking to an adopted church who the ceremony has been recognized, who a robe has been given to, who a ring has been put on their finger and said, whatever you say, whatever you bind, act in this third pull, act in this spoken word. It's your time. Now you prophesy and you speak it. Just as the blood of the lamb was the sign of God's acceptance as a worshiper, this adoption robe is that which is the true baptism of the Holy Ghost is God's sign that that son has met his approval. Amen. You that have the Holy Ghost, you have met his approval. You're not waiting on approval. You have met his approval. And he gave you a sign. You belong to him. Now, devil, you better back off. Amen. Because there's a son that says, that's my property, devil. And you're standing on it. And I'm more than able to take it. Because this is my mountain. God gave it to me. The prophet said I could have it. Moses told Caleb he could have it. Amen. Now, give me my mountain. Amen. So, well, I've been believing a long time. I've been waiting a long time for this moment. Yeah, we have, haven't we, Brother Gary? We've been waiting a long time for this moment. But now is the day of action. Now is the time of acting on that promise, the acts of the apostles to follow the ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Brother Branham talked about this, and here you him. He said, take him out into a certain place. Have a ceremony before angels and place him positionally what he is in the body of Christ. Then that person has the authority. Let me say this. If you count me a fanatic from this night on, that the same thing I'm speaking about will be done. There will be a power put into the church. And now it's coming in that the Holy Spirit will so anoint the people Till they will speak the word and it'll create itself right out. Amen. Amen. Right there. We haven't seen powers like coming into the church. I know it for a fact. Now, how many of you believe your prophet? Amen. Amen. He said, I see her coming. I see a people here that'll be under a token. Amen. That the life is on display that are wrapped in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, of people who know their God, who will do exploits, who will take every promise. 
Hallelujah. Brother Bradham told us when the pyramid gets up to the top, and where are we? We're not down at the bottom. We're at the top. He said when full sons, amen, of God will rise up and take every power the devil has away from him. Oh, hallelujah. There ought to be a people today say, I'm rising up. Amen. I'm a people who are the people of the book, the people of the promise. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. My, this is a day that we're living in. He said God's trying to get his church just to say to this mountain, be moved and it'll move. Authority, sons of God, the whole creation's groaning, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God, waiting to a spot to where that, the sickness will be arise, and it'll be that way. The blind will receive their sight. The deaf and the dumb, he said, we pray for them now. But then you'll command it. Didn't say these signs shall follow them that believe they shall pray for the sick. He said, they shall cast out devils. Amen. Not I will cast them out, but you will cast them out. If you say to this mountain, not if I say, but if you say to this mountain, believe, be moved, and don't doubt in your heart. So you see, this is the hour that we're at. This is the third pull. This is the hour of the spoken word. This is where we come back to believers' authority, where people have been placed in position. Don't you understand where we're at, church? Amen. Then, then this morning, let's realize where we're at and wrap that adoption robe around you of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Draw it up tight and walk right out. Come on and meet your enemy. And defeat your enemy before he tries to defeat you. Amen. Deal with things that are in our lives and in the church and in our families by rising up and taking control over them. You're sons of God. You're daughters of God. Amen. Brother, when I stood there, and if I have to bring back personal testimony again, but when I stood there in, my, in the room there, right next to, the room, to my wife there, when she was laying there, a brain bleed that big. Is that what the doctor said? That big, that big, a big old brain bleed in her, in her head. Said, it don't look hopeful, Joe. And I stood there in that room there with my children. We gathered around, and I said, we are believers. We have been trained for moments like this. You were there. Did I say it? Amen. We have been trained for moments like that. We believe that's what we do. We're believers. And as I confessed the word of God, it came right out of my mouth. She'll be in the ICU room tonight. Tomorrow night she'll be in her own room. Sister Vicki, you made that possible for us. It was her own room. A private room. Thank you, Sister Vicki. Amen. That she got for us, was able to get it working there at the hospital. Got her own private room. So there, she'll be in her own room tomorrow night. And the next night, she'll be in her own bed at home. What was it? Adopted son speaking. What about you this morning? I'm no more a Christian than you are. Amen. No, you've got as much of an adoption robe on you as I do. 
You've got the ring of authority. You've got the token. Come on, you're a believer. Amen. Now then, go take your land. Go take your mountain. Go possess what God gave for you. Amen. If you've got a need this morning, you ought to stand up on that promise and say, that's mine and ain't no devil going to take away from me because it's my inheritance. I am a child of God. Wrap my adoption robe around me and stand there and say, devil, you are defeated. Sin is defeated. Unbelief is defeated. Everything is underneath my feet because I'm a child of God. Hallelujah, won't you stand together with me and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. As they're coming now, if he is the living word, then this word wrote on the Bible is a part of him. Another place, Brother Brandon said, the Bible, the scripture was written for you to speak it. Hallelujah. The scripture was written for you to speak it. He said, then this is wrote on paper, on the Bible is part of him. When you receive this into him, which is the word, this word comes into you by faith, makes it alive. Oh, catch that. The word comes into you. If the Holy Spirit is there, it's as alive as soon as it comes in and ever promise is true. Therefore, if you say to this mountain, Now then you say it, because we're back in the land. Green pastures are there. There's running waters there. It's revival time, church. We're in the hour for it. Amen. We've been laying in the presence of the sun a long time, baking all the greenness out. It's time that we rise on our feet, a mighty army, and take our position. Amen. Amen. While you're here standing, I just want you just to worship the Lord together with me. I, 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 Michael, I want that, that, that video clip played just one more time. And let's just worship the Lord together. I want you just to drink this in. Just drink this in. Drink it for me, with me. Turn it up loud where they can hear it if you all can. Oh, Abraham's son. Are you Abraham's son this morning? Hear the words of your father. Can you hear the words of your father? Hear his promise of love. This is his promise of love to you. I will make you a I'm blessing. I'm going to make you a blessing. Oh, yeah. So count the stars. Count the stars can. if you can. You're predestinated. You will be, you will be a creation. Amen. I will, I will give, give you this land. This land. I will bring you back home. Bring you back home. Bring you back home, oh, my children. Hallelujah. You will, you will no longer roam. Lost, Lost alone in the night. This is the evening time. Hallelujah. There is nothing, there is nothing on earth that could take, that could take you away. Once I gather, once I gather you under my wings, wings nothing's going to remember you. I will be back home again. Though you've wandered.
wandered like trees to the end of the earth. Gathered among the denominations. But I'll send you a savior. I'm going to finish my work of redemption. You have no other shepherd. No pope, no bishop. You have no other Lord. Amen. He's your only rule. All green pastures are waiting. In Zion, this bride was born. I will bring you back home. Bring you back home, my children. Hallelujah. You will no longer lost and alone in the night. There is nothing on earth that can take you away. Once I gather you under my wings, I will bring you Ever look on the We will mourn for the one we've pierced. But don't fear, oh my daughter. Oh Jesus, don't fear. Sons of Abraham. praise this morning. Hallelujah. Gather the people back home. Hallelujah. Sons and daughters of God return to the land.
We're going to turn to the homeland. Amen. Thanks be to God.